We're headed to the Wild West this week, and we're bringing our 50-foot mechs with us. This is Pixelated Audio Episode 5 featuring Wild Arms. Welcome back to another episode. This week, as you might be able to tell from that opening track, we wanted to go with a little bit of a different style of music than we've played here before. I'm James, and here with me is Brian. Howdy, partner. Wow. <laughs> so we're going to do Western jokes all day? No, that was it. Good. Uh, so the song that brought us in was To the End of the Wilderness from Wild Arms for the Sony PlayStation. And what an amazing track to start off the show with. So yeah, we're going to take a look at Wild Arms, specifically the first game in the series. So there's actually five games in the series, not including remakes, but we wanted to single this game out and give it a little bit more time and justice instead of speeding through all of them. Yeah, and I think you're right. There's a lot from it that we can walk away with. Um, it's different than what we've done on the show so far as well, you know, being just one game and also an RPG. Right. So um, Wild Arms is a Wild West-themed, so to speak, RPG for the original PlayStation. It was released in December of 96 in Japan and a few months later in April of 97 in the U.S., it was published by Sony Computer Entertainment and developed by a Japanese company called Media Vision. So Media Vision was founded in 1993, and for such a small team with under 50 employees, they've actually done quite a lot. They've done all the Wild Arms games, Valkyrie Chronicles 3, Chaos Rings, and even some stuff lately for the PS3 and Vita. But this first Wild Arms game is what really got them into the spotlight. Right. And the game's lead designer is Akifumi Kaneko, who was responsible for a lot of the other games in the series. Um, Yoshihiko Ito was also an other designer, but we're not really sure what else he's worked on other than being credited for the character design. The composer for this game, as well as the others in the series, is Michiko Naruke, and she got her start composing music for Telnet Japan's development team called Riot, before moving on to MediaVision. And over the span of her career, she's composed over 400 tracks for the Wild Arms series, which is just incredible. I don't even think I know 400 songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's very impressive. I know, and we could probably spend an entire year's worth of episodes doing just Wild Arms. Yeah, and if you like what you hear today, the original soundtrack for the game was released in Japan only in 1997 with a little over 30 tracks. However, in 2006, there was another release called Wild Arms Complete Tracks that was put across two CDs, and this time has you know the full album, full 80 tracks. We'll put links on the website for anyone that might be interested in purchasing those. Yeah, we'll be sure to put those in the show notes as well. Uh, but I think we should get into a block. Sure. What do we got? Uh, first up, we have Hope, followed by Alone in the World. And then lastly, we have Migratory Birds of the Wilderness. So let's give those a listen, and we'll be right back. 
You just heard Hope, Alone in the World, and Migratory Birds of the Wilderness from Wild Arms for PlayStation, composed by Michiko Naruke. Yeah, Hope is such a great, it's very peaceful, um, very happy. Right. Uh, it's it's kind of, it, for me, it, I imagine that's what it would be like to wake up in the morning, like really great. Like yeah. that song playing would just be really nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really early on in the game too. So it's kind of setting, you know, setting you up for, you know, you don't know what you're going to go yeah. on yet. Nothing you don't, bad's happened yet. Yeah, everything's very innocent at this point in the game. So um, I love like those crescendos coming in and, you know, fading back out. It's, right. it's a really good track. Um, Alone in the World. Um, this is still an early track in the game, um, right? And it's another beautiful one, and um, I, I really like the like the chiming, like cymbal sound that they mix into it. It's really like those nice. bells and yeah, stuff. It's yeah, a really nice accent. Um, it's another early track, like we said. So it, you know, it's still setting that tone, and um, it's very mellow. Um, you know, there's you know the cello kind of takes over, you mm -hmm. know, in place and takes over that melody, and I, I really like it a lot. It's a really cool track. Um, then we have Migratory Birds of the Wilderness. And um, this is the world map theme. Right. And right. So, so you're going to hear this one a lot. And uh, it's really, it, it is really a nice track that has um, a very adventurous feel to it. It's like, very pressing, like, very, I mean, like pressing on forward, moving, you know, moving forward. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you leave the town and, and you walk out there and it, it, it kind of re jump starts you to get really excited to head out to the next area. Yeah. And, you have these trumpets and horns, you know really playing that you know in the background really you know forcefully and then all of a sudden you know then you'll have the the flute playing and it'll right. kind of take over that spot and it kind of goes back and forth and I, I like that a lot about it. it it's very easy to listen to mm -hmm. because you spend a lot of time on the world map right right and and one of the nice things about all three of these tracks is each track has a obviously a different spot in the game and they have a different emotion attached to them and they feel very different you know like the first one was very happy and the second one really did feel kind of alone like you did feel kind of lonely and then that uh, the uh, migratory birds of the wilderness is is really adventurous and yeah, i feel I like it really kicks you off to go and, and each of those songs really fits into the the feeling that they're trying to convey in each part of the game yeah and i think this whole this whole um show you're going to hear a lot of that you know a mm -hmm. lot of the the different music blocks we try to you know kind of keep together the ones um that you know have a similar feel for us right and, um, you know, like later on from the other blocks that we play, you're going to hear that those, you know, those very similar kind of um, sounds that change, you know, on mm -hmm. your location based on where you are and, you know, kind of gear you up for that set to do so. Uh, so let's get back to the composer Michiko Naruke uh, for a moment and let's talk about her career a little more. Yeah. Kaneko basically went up to her and said, hey, we're doing this Wild West setting type of a game and we want the music to really fit that that style. And which this is something that she really listened to a lot of growing up. So it kind of worked out. Yeah. And what I find uh, that is really cool about her is that, and I read this in a few sources, that she really studied the game's visuals and the story. And she made sure that each track fit with, you know, a specific character or location or event. Yeah, that's really important, especially for an RPG, because the music is really what sets the mood for everything that you're doing in the story. Yeah. And actually, this is probably a good point to get into the story a bit. The story is pretty great. Um, it's simple yet well thought out. The game takes place in the world of Philgaia, protected by these kind of spiritual beings known as guardians. It's really peaceful and prosperous. Everyone is happy. Life is good. Well, it was up until the invasion of an alien race called the Metal Demons and their leader, Mother, who basically lost their own planet and try to claim Philgaia as their new home. But the story goes on to say that the humans, guardians, and the other race that inhabited Felgaia, known as the Elrus, who apparently used magic combined with some advanced technology or something. Right. So they were able to fight off the metal demons and split Mother's heart into three pieces and seal them away inside of guardian statues across the world. And without their leader, they're pretty much exiled to the region known as Artica and kind of stayed dormant there. Right. So jumping ahead a thousand years, the civilization is kind of starting to rebuild itself. And uh, once again, the metal demons come back to resurrect Mother and try retaking over the world. Right. And this is a pretty cut and dry version, but there's really a lot to it. And one of the things that I love that they decided to do is start the story a thousand years after the uh, initial invasion that gives the world this really deep backstory and this complexity that builds over time. Right. And you'd expect that from an RPG, really. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into some more music. What do we have lined up? On the list, we have Town, which is your basic town music that you hear in the game. Unless some event or something like that's going on. But yeah, it's a pretty mellow track. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, next, we have Adelheide Castle, uh, followed by Warrior's Whistle. So let's get these started. 
That was Town Music, Adelheid Castle, and Warrior's Whistle from Wild Arms for the PS1. Yeah, these were some really great tracks here that we, you know, just played. Yeah, the um, Town song, you were saying as we were listening to it, you know, like, I could just put this on a loop all day. And Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just kind of, it's just a really good track, and it's just nice, and it, it it doesn't really feel like it would interfere with anything and it just feels like this really mellow when i when i listen to it i immediately feel like i'm i'm seeing this like you know bustling town moving like villagers you know running around doing their their own things right and so right and like, like i was even actually thinking that like the the individual instruments in the songs actually feel like their own character like like the little drum character is like a you know maybe there's a guy like selling bread or something and then like right, uh, you know right. some of the other stuff is like maybe somebody delivering mail and so it just feels like that bustling town like you were saying yeah no i i think that it's a really good track for um what they're trying to do it's it's very mellow because you know when you're in town that's kind of like your safe zone you're not getting right. in these random battles you're not you're not really worried about you know fighting um, as much, or at least you're mm-hmm. most of the time. And so, um, having something that kind of is upbeat and kind of uplifting and keeps you, you know, interested in what's going on. Right. It's cool. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time walking around the towns, talking to people, getting information and everyone's really pretty friendly. Like so far I haven't run into many jerks in these towns. So, <laughs> right. so it kind of definitely fits with, uh, the whole environment of the world. Right. So castle is the next one, the Adelheid castle. And um, again, it's a really lively track. Um, right. It's a, there's a lot going on. Um, very regal. Um, yeah, without being pompous, like it, it's like a friendly kingdom type. Yeah, thing. and uh, the drums kind of have this really cool like procession sound where it's almost like a march kind mm-hmm. of going on. And and uh, no, it's a, it's a fun track. And in Adelheid Castle is a cool like a very cool location. So yeah. it's it's cool that the music really fits that that environment. Um, next is Warrior's Whistle. And, um, it, you know, as the name, there's a lot of tracks we have with whistling in it, right. but this is actually one that says whistling in the title and it's, it's more of like a piccolo or yeah, something, something, some a very high whistling, flute. but, uh, yeah. And, um, you get this, um, you know, kind of like, you know, wood blocker or, or clavis or something in the mm-hmm. background and, and it's, it's a cool track. Like I like it a lot. Yeah. And it really, it, uh, kind of brings that wild west feel into it a little bit kind of hints at it and that's one of the things i really like about naruke is that she didn't overdo that wild west sound because here like we hear that all the time and it's very yeah. cliche and and like it she just kind of like hinted at it so it didn't overdo it for me yeah any other thoughts on that no i think uh, we're ready to move on so i want to bring up what makes this game so great or any rpg rather it's the characters and for wild arms they really present our heroes in a unique way yeah, when the game starts up, you have three different playable characters to choose from, each with their own starting location and backstory that starts to you know, unfold as you progress. And you as the player are more or less given the task of bringing them together before they start their journey. So yeah, there's Rudy Roughknight, Jack Van Brace, and Cecilia Adelheid. And regardless of who you start with, you'll eventually play out all three characters' you know, introductions before forming up your party. Right, and Rudy is a 15-year-old orphan working on a farm in a small village called Surf, but later becomes an outcast for using a forbidden technology called arms or ancient relic machines. It's pretty cliche, but it works and it makes you know it easy to kind of gain this connection with your character, which is really important. Right, and Jack is a treasure hunter and a swordsman that travels around with a talking wind mouse called Handpan, uh, who's kind of like the comic relief and at times Jack's moral compass. Finally, we have Cecilia, a young mage that spent most of her life studying magic at Curran Abbey. And like her name suggests, she's also the princess to the royal Adelheid family. Yeah, and like you said, none of the characters are terribly creative, but you really bond with them fast to keep you interested. Um, On the flip side, the antagonists are pretty interesting too. Again, the metal demons are an alien race led by Mother, but after she's taken out of the picture, Siegfried... Um, one of the metal demons left on Felgaia steps in to kind of temporarily take the role of the leader. Yeah, and Siegfried is really interesting. Um, we don't see a lot of him early on in the game, but his role starts to kind of escalate as things are played out. He starts, you know, to kind of question certain motives and whether they're good or bad. We also have Belzik, who is kind of a bloodthirsty warlord. Alzahad, um, who's the scientist. Lady Harkin, who's a swordmaster. 
Boomerang, who's this really quiet, reserved knight, and Zed. And Zed is a really animated, he's got this really animated personality. Um, he's not taken seriously. He's totally goofy. Yeah, and even some of the other metal demons call him an idiot. Oh, he's like that. Yeah, he's the best. I love him. Yeah, no, I really like him too. Anyways, the uniqueness of the game really comes from those character bonds. And this is important for how the game is played. The game is sprite-based, and it's got that really early PlayStation kind of Super NES-style look to it. Um, like other RPGs, and it plays a lot like those games as well. Right, and like we said before, all the characters are playable, either while in the party or when they're off on their own. You just have to switch to them at any time. And where this really comes into play is each character has their own special abilities, or tools as they're called in the game. Yeah, for instance, Rudy has bombs that you need to use in specific you know, areas, like for puzzles and whatnot, and maybe like blowing up debris in a cavern or something to get through. Right, and you can also walk by a bunch of crates and lay out a ton of bombs, and I really couldn't help but think of Bomberman yeah. doing this. Yeah, I know, totally. And um, you have all these tools, and you slowly acquire them, and you know, you really have to understand how and when to use them. And this is where this new layer of complexity slowly builds up. And I really love this aspect of the game. Yeah, I think this switching on the fly is what makes the game really interesting and, you know, like, for me, really wild arms. Yeah, and when you start stacking up all the different aspects of this game, it really creates a game that stands out. So let's get into some more music. First, we have After the Chaos and Destruction. Following that, we have Screaming World and then Lament and a Promise. And once again, this is composed by Michiko Naruke.
That was After the Chaos and Destruction, Screaming World, and Lament and a Promise, composed by Michiko Naruke for Wild Arms on the PlayStation. I feel like I have to take a Xanax after yeah. hearing that block. Yeah. <laughs> so depressing, but oh man, awesome music. Um, right. I've always kind of liked kind of sad, dramatic music, so this block especially fits really high on my list of songs I really like from this game. Yeah, Naruke is so dynamic in what she's doing. I mean, we hear... A lot of her you know more lively town stuff that we played earlier right. and then you just get this you know really just depressing destruction you know stuff going on and right. she shows that right in you know right into the game so right. i like and it's and it's just great to see someone that has such a range of a skill that can take for a a long game like this and really add something great with the music that every event has something new and right. it's really cool like after the chaos and destruction um, we had talked about this track a lot, putting this in because this is one of the most depressing parts in the game, like early yeah. on in the game. Um, you know, without any spoilers, I mean, the game is 17 years old now, so I guess we can say right. a few things. A but few, yeah, um, so this town gets totally, you know, burned down by yeah. the metal demons, and um, it's it kind really, of it kinda, really my jaw dropped in this part of the game because it wasn't kind of what i expected i expected some bad things to happen but i mean the level of bad things that happen in this game is really kind of i was shocked and devastated by what kind of happened and so imagine if you will you know you go into this town and you see like all these kids running around and yeah, and and you're talking and, to these people and stuff and then this town gets burned down and this is directly after that and and right people, add insult to injury this is like their favorite time of the year they're having this huge festival and it's so everyone is just on like the happiest that they've been all year. And then you get right after all this and it's basically a this broken town. Like this right. really like morale is gone and people are barely hanging on to yeah. like even existence kind of questioning it. And this this song really kind of it's it's poetic because it's mm-hmm. it's kind of telling this people's emotions right through it's the music sad but nobody beautiful. nobody has to say a word and you understand what's going on and i think that's what's really powerful yeah i uh, mean and you develop a relationship with these even side characters in the game these little townspeople that are running around like you kind of grow to to like them just like how we said with you really quickly bond with the main characters you actually start to kind of bond with the with these, city people with like these, these npcs yeah. yeah so um screaming world we kind of went in reverse order because screaming world is actually what is happening during the destruction. Yeah. And um, what, you know, opened my eyes right here was that during this part, this is where you're seeing, you're, you're walking up to people during the destruction and it's like, we're too late. Like yeah, this person's dead. dead. And they're showing these bodies like and all s- over the ground. And some and, of these, you know, are children. Yeah. Like, and they're clearly kids. And so it's, it was really 
I was kind of shocked by I it. I was like, kind of shocked that they put that in there. I mean, I thought, oh, this guy's hurt. Let me help him. And they're like, nope, they're gone. Or, yeah, they're, they're, or, uh, they're their gone. wounds are too great. We can't do anything. Now there are there were some some NPCs in the game that you could you could help that yeah, were like, save. hey, let's save these. And later on, you see them in the hospital. So yeah, they kind of recover and stuff. But um, this track is really dramatic, and it you know progressively builds and builds mm-hmm. and builds. Um, but moving on to lament and a promise. This, um, I don't remember exactly where this fits in the game, or maybe I... Yeah, we may not have gotten there yet. Um, that was what it, kind of my thought was, that I hadn't gotten to this point yet. Because, I mean, it's such a beautiful song that I, I'm i sure I would have remembered it. But, I mean, it's, like I said, it's super beautiful. Yeah, it starts out really, really slow. And, and I like that. It kind of, it's, it's just like the rain is dropping outside. Yeah. And just everything's quiet and it's kind of dark. And... And um, then it slowly, you know, slowly kind of builds up. That guitar comes in with a slide and mm-hmm. then the bass kind of, you know, answers to the guitar and it just kind of back and forth is really cool. Right. And then like two minutes in, like right when the song is about to end, you get the choir, you know, come mm-hmm. in and it's a great way to end that track. Yeah. And I was thinking that this song by itself feels like it has its own like story arc to it like it kind of feels like someone's kind of hurting in the beginning and something bad has happened and they're sad about it and then it kind of picks up and almost like now they're ready to do something about that yeah it's when when we were listening to this before um you know before we uh we're playing it now um you were saying that uh (laughs) you're like oh man i i don't know where this is in the game but i'm afraid that somebody is gonna die yeah somebody important yeah somebody important is gonna die here so but um, like in a lot of games that's kind of works in the the not the best interest of the bad guy because it kind of regroups the the good characters and it's kind of gives them that extra push to kind of destroy what they need to yeah so, no totally but i, I mean I, i'm really looking forward to getting to that part in the game because this is such an amazing track yeah any other thoughts before we move on no i think that uh, we kind of covered everything for that so let's talk about the battle system the whole game has these 2d tiled backgrounds and sprites that look like you know what we explained earlier uh, an improved Super Nintendo game, but during battles, Media Vision opted for full 3D graphics, and by now they kind of look pretty dated. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And you know, this was a time when 3D was just starting to develop in games. It was one of those early PS1 titles that tried to do it, and honestly, it it's really tough to look at today. Um, I know that Sony at one point was really pushing developers to make use of 3D in games, so maybe that played a role in it. Yeah, and to be fair, this was an era where games didn't use skin meshes and most models were untextured. And we'd be lucky to get a character that had 50 polygons or so. But right. I mean, I really like that early 3D look in games. I think it has its places, but um, you know, why change from 2D? Um, either go all in or you know, don't do it at all. I think a full 3D world would have been a little bit too much for this small development team. And doing just the battles kind of let them play with the camera and make this turn-based structure, in my opinion, more exciting. I, I could see that. I mean, to me, it just felt a little bit out of place. Um, you know, that being said, though, the battle system is pretty good. Totally. You've got a traditional turn-based battle system with standard attacks, magic spells, and items for you to use when you need. And you can also equip and summon guardians to help with, you know, large elemental attacks. Yeah, you also get force attacks. And to kind of explain this, all three characters have four abilities. Each time you either deal damage or take damage, this meter slowly builds up, bringing you to the next you know, tier of ability mm-hmm. that you can use. And kind of like limit breaks in Final Fantasy. Right. Yeah, I don't think it was an afterthought either because it's really vital later on in the game to learn how and when to use these. And I think the game is designed with that in mind. Right. So let's say Rudy gets his force level up high enough to reach his first ability where he does an arms lock on an enemy and it's pretty much a guaranteed direct hit. And oh, I don't know if we actually mentioned what arms actually are. No. But uh, basically they're just guns. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's that's really, really it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. So we're going to play some music from the battle sequence. First up, we have the main battle theme titled Critical Hit. It's a really high energy track that really pumps you up. Yeah, and it has to be. I mean, you're going to hear it a few thousand times before the game's end. Yeah, and, and crappy battle music can cripple an RPG pretty bad. So we have critical hit, moment of tension, and then battle versus mid boss. Um, so let's get those started.
that was critical hit moment of tension and battle versus mid boss yeah even though i've heard these songs so many times i still enjoy listening to them yeah no they're they're great tracks and they they really um you know it's hard for a composer to write battle music it's right. it's probably the most difficult track to write in any game and um because like we said you know you're going to hear it over and over and over right and this is a time where you have to really plan out and strategize and and um yeah it's kind of a fine line to walk as far as the the music goes because you don't want it to be too intense and too kind of stress invoking because you want to be able to sit and think and and but you also want to feel engaged and you, you don't want to get bored you yeah you want to feel like you got that energy like, yeah. like you're in a fight so you know act like you're in a fight but you also need to strategize because it's an rpg yeah and i i really like the that constant base that mm -hmm. you know keeps you know pushing forward it's not overdone and the the percussion's not overdone to where you get that anxiety that we were talking about but it's um still keeps you driving drives you to you know keep going further in the game and right and keeps you motivated to you know stay with the battles and and keep trying to you know do new stuff and new strategies so yeah and critical hit is just a perfect example of a great composed music for you know for you to hear over and over and over yeah and so moment of tension is definitely more anxiety driven right and, it lives um, up to its name which you know naruko naruke is uh, very good at uh doing that we've as we've shown so. yeah and this this um track it's it's very um well done with the the sirens and stuff like that and it's almost like this alert like this you know something's yeah. happening a alert all the the you know bad guys around the area we're all gonna attack this person something right. at once so it kind of like uh triggers your fight or flight you know definitely to flee like i want to kind of get out of here yeah so, or end this battle as quickly as possible yeah and there's this low kind of um almost like bass like organ that is constantly laying in the background and it's really ominous and it's really you know kind of this you know dark kind of thing lurking over as you know you have this high moment of anxiety this high mm -hmm. moment of tension so yeah and battle versus mid boss is another great track that that so when you're fighting the bosses it's it has a different feel to it. You know? And it has to. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing I liked about it is that they didn't just take the regular battle music and just kind of make it more fast paced or more intense. They they kind of gave it this uh, like this air of importance to it. And it had like a, a more dramatic feel. And, it, you know, it has a slow pace and it kind of builds and and, you know, it, it is kind of an epic feel to it. Yeah, definitely more of a, um, you know sense of importance when you're when you're playing against a boss because mm -hmm. if let's say you were playing the the same boss and you had the normal battle music that you know we heard earlier um you might not get that sense of this wow this is something i need to be careful yeah it's super against, dangerous you know? more dangerous than normal but yeah. it's not over the top to where you know you're thinking like oh my god like i'm so you know i'm so my heart's beating so fast here i just got to get this over with it's more like okay, this is, I can, I can get through this. I can do this. I right. can, you know, but, um, no, those are all great tracks and they're all really short under a minute 30 each. So they, they loop, but I mean, you know, when you're listening to it, it, you're, you're really focused on, yeah, you're really engaged. So you almost don't notice the loop and yeah, but the music, you know, every time you get in that random encounter, like that music shoots on and it pumps mm -hmm. you up. So it's pretty awesome. Any other thoughts on those tracks? No, I think that uh, we've pretty much covered everything on the the battle music, which I mean, I'm actually looking forward to popping the game on again and playing some more. Yeah, I know. So let's kind of talk about our experiences with the game a little bit. Okay. Um, I first got this game, I, I'd already beaten Final Fantasy VII at this point, and I was really jonesing for another RPG. So a friend of mine was like, hey, you got to try this game out. It's really good. I'm going to go sell it to Funko Land you know, if, if you don't want it. And he was like, you know, I'll take 20 bucks for it. So of course I picked it up and I was really, really happy because I think it was still selling for over 35 bucks. So even used. Right. Um, because it came out right around the time of final fantasy seven. So it couldn't have been that old. Um, I actually missed out on wild arms and I really didn't get into RPGs until much later, but now I really love them. Yeah. I think it was quickly overshadowed by the whole Squaresoft wave, but it's not like it's an unappreciated gem or anything. There were a lot of people that really, really loved this game. Right. And I would assume so since it's such a long series and this game actually even got a full 3D remake for the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Wild Arms Alter Code F. I've never played it, but I heard the reviews weren't so hot. Yeah, the screenshots looked really good, and it had additional story and some new characters added in, but I think it lost what made the original so great. And unfortunately, we see this a lot with remakes. Yeah. 
So getting ready for this episode, we actually logged quite a few hours playing the game. I personally put in about 15. What about you? Uh, about 80. <laughs> no, um, you know, a little less than you, but um, you know, I'm really hooked at this point. I want to write it out. Yeah, same here. I, I mean, I really can't wait to see how this game ends. Yeah, I was skeptical going into it. Um, you know, I, I wanted to replay this game sometime in life, and I never thought that you know I'd be able to make the time. But while we're doing this episode, it was a great excuse. So I'm I'm glad that I invested this time, and I'm surprised about how much time I've actually put into it. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like um, you know what they say about a good book is you know every time you pick it up, it's it's really easy to get sucked back into it. You're right. The game's 17 years old, and aside from those hideous 3D parts, it still has this undeniable charm that makes the game worth playing today. Yeah, even though I don't exactly agree with your view on the 3D, I 100% agree that this game is totally worth playing today. Yeah, if you guys have a means to play it and haven't before, you know, give it a shot. It's really, really good. Anyways, uh, we have one last block to play, and this might just be my favorite two tracks. So the first track is Morning of the Journey, and then following that we have the prologue beginning from here. So let's take a listen to those, and we'll be right back.
That was Morning of the Journey and Prologue Beginning from Here, again composed by Michiko Naruke for Wild Arms on the PlayStation. Uh, that first track and I mean the the whole block I love. Uh, Morning of the Journey is is really good. It's it's kind of like um, it's this very peaceful ballad and mm-hmm. it, it's almost like it tells a story. Um, the beginning is very like you're, you know you're waking up and in the morning getting everything ready. You know you don't know what's going to happen yet, but it slowly builds and and, right. and that kind of background orchestra comes in and and you really set yourself up on that journey. So yeah, it definitely has a a great build up where it start like you said starts off really slow and I love when that flute it starts getting really flute heavy and then they start adding more instruments and more instruments and it really builds up into right. this really epic you get those, beautiful track you get and, those lower strings like the bass and cellos coming in and doing that dun 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 and it's mm-hmm. just it's just a great song like it's it's almost between that I know a lot of people love that opening intro mm-hmm. song and it's great I love it but um, this would make a an equally amazing intro so mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where it falls into the game um, exactly, but it's it's a great song. So, yeah, moving on to uh, the next track, the prologue begins from here or beginning from here. Um, another just amazing title. It's very somber, very slow starting, right. and um, but it's just it's just a you feel good when you're hearing it. Right, and I love how it it starts off like you said, very slow and and kind of delicate, and and then it kind of drops, and then it comes in with that amazing whistling that this game has and it's you know yeah the the whistling actually was done by and in fact for all the tracks the whistling was done by uh, naoki takao and um i'm not sure what else he's done um other than you know this i'm sure he's done professional other you right know, stuff and for other compositions but um man i mean that's got to be a, a difficult thing to do whistling i yeah. i try to whistle like i'm out of key like all the time <laughs> yeah. it's it's hard i i can't move my mouth correctly or something yeah i mean and it's such beautiful whistling and and i and it, like and some of the other tracks, it really kind of helps that Wild West feel to it. Yeah, it definitely takes from those spaghetti westerns, you know. And and I think that she was able to balance. Um, it doesn't feel like overkill. She was able right. to balance it it's very well. It's not cheesy. It's yeah. it's not cheesy like the spaghetti westerns, but it's very beautiful. And it, it's almost like uh like they really cared about that that genre, uh, you know, in history of yeah. the, the w- wild west feel. And- yeah. And it, it's just as valid as any other, you know, instrument, musical instrument. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a great track. And I think that, um, you know, this block it's, it's longer than some of the other, you know, um, other tracks in the mm-hmm. game. But what's interesting about it to me is that both these tracks seem to feature like a full orchestra mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they're not just synthesized, um, tracks that we heard before. I mean, they're all great. Uh, they're you know all the songs in this album are great. Right. But these two specifically feature, uh, I think, a live orchestra. So it was really cool to um, kind of put these two together and and also be our last block. Yeah, and and I think that I'm in the same boat as a lot of people that are probably listening to this episode for the first time. Is that you know I didn't really wasn't really aware of Machiko and Ruke's music, and you know after listening and playing this game and it's. I really am happy that I got a chance to hear all this stuff. I mean, it's it's a composer I had never heard of, and she's incredible. And I mean, it's just and it's an incredible game. So I was really happy that I was able to go back and play this. Yeah, and she's still doing a lot of stuff today. So it's 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 really cool to see composers that have found their like their niche and mm-hmm. are able to kind of you know keep you know captivating new people by you know constantly over outdoing themselves mm-hmm. each time and so i think the other uh wild arms games have equally amazing music as well right so. and i mean then to kind of remind everyone that she's composed over 400 tracks for this series so i mean this is just one album that has incredibly amazing music and this definitely i mean without this soundtrack i think the game would have done well but right. it i don't think it would have done as well and i think right. this is where we really owe a lot um uh, i think this is where um the composers really are what you know add to such a magical experience that we can get right. from these games and i think that's where we we need to really make sure we give them credit and for doing this this podcast it's it, that's what we're focusing on we want mm-hmm. we want we love to talk about the gameplay and everything but the experiences that we remember and cherish are from what the, these composers have done and their yeah. contributions. Yeah. And they're the, not the just game. these games just aren't visual. I mean, 
it's what you hear too. And then, yeah. you know, if with a lot of these tracks, I mean, you and I listen to a lot of video and music on a regular basis. And, and it's nice that when you hear a song that totally takes you back to sitting in front of the TV, you know, yeah. playing these games and playing, it, it's a, you great. know, playing a game, you know, in your underwear, like, yeah. you know, with you a your TV bowl of cereal next to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Anyways, I think that about wraps stuff up. So, um, if you have any game that you loved, you know, just please let us know in the comments. Oh, before I forget, um, we wanted to give a shout out to the guys over at Bleeps and Bloops who gave us an awesome mention in one of their recent episodes. Yeah, they have a video game music podcast. It's more from the composer creator side. It's really interesting. Yeah, and it's a totally different format and content than what we're doing, but it's still a great show with a lot of information for composers like jobs and interviews and and news, stuff like that. Yeah, it's really good. I started listening to their show recently and um, I've listened to a lot of episodes now. I'm really enjoying it. So definitely check it out. So thanks for listening. You can visit us online at pixelatedaudio.com where we'll have all of our show notes posted and the tracks that we played today. Uh, And feel free to comment on it if there's anything you guys liked or, you know, wanted to see changed. Yeah. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Pixelated Audio and be sure to subscribe to us in iTunes or Stitcher. And we'd appreciate a review. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and if you guys like games like Golden Axe or Punch-Out, make sure to check out our previous episodes. And yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. So the track taking us out is Succumb to Wilderness, performed by Level 99 for OC Remix. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>